0: You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelley,
1: And I'm Eric. And this is episode 37.
0: Yes. Hello, my gruesome addicts. Thanks for being here again for another wild case. So let's just get into it, right? Wild. You ready? It yep. is. It's a fucking wild one. All right. So we're starting today's case in the year Like of-
1: a wild, like in like the outdoors and stuff? No. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to bum you out. All right, <laughs> All right. Uh, today's case, in, it starts in the year of 1939, January 31st to be exact, when Jerome Henry Brudos, who went by Jerry, came into the world in Webster, South Dakota, to mother Eileen and father Henry. Eileen and Henry already had a son, Larry, and they were really looking forward to having a baby girl. According to my research, the technology to determine gender Using ultrasounds wasn't available until the 1970s. If you guys find different information, let me know. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I found. So, because I was curious as to like, why you know why they didn't already know the sex, you know, the gender of their baby. So, so when Eileen gave birth to a baby boy, they were pretty disappointed. I guess you could say the fact that his parents wanted a girl made his childhood like really shitty. His parents were constantly abusing Jerry both emotionally and physically but would like never touch his brother because they loved him more because they already had a boy and she wanted a girl. So she just treated him like shit.
1: That's fucked up.
0: I know. And I, I put in my notes. I know this might be a little harsh, but I was like thinking, you know, why not put Jerry up for adoption? I sound sounds like so shitty, but it's like, if you're going ki- to treat the kid like shit, why not give him to a loving family? You know, like I know. All that's because harsh, he's not but- a girl. Yeah, exactly. I know. Exactly. Give him away. Fuck that. No, I'm I'm saying like no, why? I know, but I'm, yeah. I'm
1: I'm disagreeing. I think it's fucked up.
0: I know that's what I'm saying. Is it too harsh to say that? But is that like, what
1: you're you're gonna do with ours?
0: No, no.
1: <laughs> I, I would never do that to my child. Oh, wrong gender. Let's get <laughs> in the fuck out of here.
0: It's just so fucked up. I know that is kind of harsh, isn't it? Okay, maybe not. But what he turns out to be is. A lot worse. Maybe that's why I'm saying that because I already know. Anyway, so it is now 1944, and the Brudos family is living in Portland, Oregon. One day, when Jerry was only five years old, he was playing alone and wandered into a junkyard where he stumbled upon a pair of open-toed, high-heeled shoes. These shoes were something that he had never seen before because his mother just like never wore shoes like that. So he was kind of fascinated by it, and he actually picked them up and took them home with him. His mother ended up finding these shoes. He was actually wearing them, and she did not like that because she was a very conservative mother, I guess you could say.
1: Look, Mom, I'm the girl you wanted.
0: I don't <laughs> oh, God. So she yelled at him. She's pissed off, and she ended up, like, burning them, so he couldn't wear them um. anymore. <laughs> Eric. The family moves once again to Riverton, California, where Jerry is now in the first grade. His first grade teacher wore high-heeled shoes, and Jerry noticed that she had, like, two extra pairs in the classroom. So when she wasn't paying attention, he attempted to steal a pair. But when another kid saw him doing this, he told the the teacher. And Jerry just ran out of the classroom because he was so embarrassed. Just give the kid the pumps. I know, man. Just let him wear the shoes. (laughs) In second grade, Jerry became ill with the measles, sore throats, swollen glands, and laryngitis. He suffered from reoccurring headaches, leading to his blurry vision, so his teachers thought maybe he needed to wear glasses to help with the headaches. He did end up getting a pair of glasses, even though the doctor didn't believe that they would help, and they didn't. So it's like that was pointless. He actually ended up failing the second grade. Uh, The family once again moved back to Oregon to Grants Pass when Jerry was eight years old. While living there, he made friends with one of the neighborhood boys and he would go over to his house quite often. This boy, this little boy that he made friends with had a little sister. So when he was over at his house, he would like try to sneak into the boy's sister's room and he would like play with her clothes and stuff like that. You see, Jerry not only had a fetish for high-heeled shoes, but also for women's clothes, specifically like bras and underwear, undergarment kind of thing. The family picks up once again and moves to Wallace Pond, Oregon. And Jerry is now 13 years old and his brother is his brother Larry is 16. Larry loved to draw pictures of naked females, but he would once he did that, he would like lock them in this box where his brother and his parents, specifically his parents, (laughs) couldn't find them. Jerry, though, did find the box. He picked the lock and he discovered the drawings. But as he was doing that, his mom caught him. So instead of telling on Larry, Jerry just said that they were his drawings and his mother, you know, lashed out on him. Three years later, when Jerry was 16 years old, he stole an 18-year-old girl's um, underwear from her home, but decides that he needed to take this whole thing a step further. Jerry decides he wants a naked photo of the girl. So he comes up with a plan to tell her that he can help her get her clothes back, even though it was him, (laughs) you know obviously uh so he asked her to come to his house and it worked she you know agreed with it as she was walking up to his house he opened the door but she didn't know it was him and he had because he had a mask on and he was holding a knife and he forced her inside and demanded that she take off all her clothes so that way he could take pictures of her after doing so jerry just took off and the girl went to the police to inform them what had happened I also read that he came back and was like, oh, my gosh, I just saw the intruder. Like, I can help you. Because, you know, like I said, he was mad. So she didn't know it was him. And obviously, you know, that was the end of that. One year later in 1956, when Jerry was 17 years old, he lured a 17 year old girl to his car. She got in and Jerry took her to a deserted farmhouse where he unfortunately started to beat her up before a couple actually happened to stumble upon them. Like after the kind of like the aftermath of it all. Jerry told the couple that he was actually there to help her, but they didn't believe his story, so they went to authorities. The Oregon State Police somehow got the truth out of Jerry, and after going through his room at his parents' house, they found women's undergarments, photos, and cameras, so they immediately arrested Jerry for assault and battery. He wasn't sent to jail, though. He was sent to Oregon State Hospital, where they diagnosed him with, quote, adjustment reaction of adolescence with sexual deviation and fetishism as well as borderline schizophrenic unquote jerry started to grow even more hate for his mother and just women in general after nine months of being in this hospital he was released and he did actually go on to graduate from high school he attempted at college but gave up after he failed to show up to a lot of his classes Jerry joined the U.S. Army in 1959, but not long after he was discharged for, quote, bizarre obsessions. After leaving the Army, Jerry is now living with his parents again. But one night, Jerry went to go, like, run an errand, and he came across a young girl who's walking home and decided to follow her. He ended up strangling her just to the point of unconsciousness, and he stole her, her shoes and then ran home. Or actually probably drove home. <laughs> Uh, That night, he actually wore her shoes to bed, too. In 1961, 22-year-old Jerry meets 17-year-old Darcy Metzler, and the two hit it off. Darcy was a lot different than other girls to Jerry. The way she treated him and the attention that she gave him was something that he had never really experienced. So they actually were married just a few months after meeting each other. Jerry working at Corvallis radio station now, but he wasn't able to keep a steady job for some reason. So they kept moving around like a lot. They did, however, finally settle down in Salem, Oregon at a house at 707 Edina Lane, Salem, Oregon. Visit it. According to oddstops.com, the house is on the corner of Edina Lane and Center Street in Northeast Salem. For you to know, Eric, it is situated about 0.3 miles west of Interstate 5. It is relatively close to Oregon State Hospital in Gear Park. And it was built in 1952, wow. 42, 1942. And it has four bedrooms.
1: Gruesome and a natural destinations.
0: It's still there. As of 2020, I think there's a picture of it. I looked it up. What'd you say?
1: Gruesome and a natural destinations.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we should make that. Yeah. We're going to make that a thing. Okay. So Jerry is now employed as a electrician and Darcy had just given birth to their first child, Megan, who was born in 1962 Uh, A little while later, Darcy becomes pregnant again. But when she was about to give birth to their baby boy, Jason, Darcy wouldn't let Jerry be around for the birth. Like she didn't want him to be in the room or anything. And this pissed Jerry off. He's like, that's my fucking son. Like, I want to see, you know, him be born. (laughs) And so this pushed him even more to like go stalk women more and like, you know, do his usual stealing their clothes and shoes. He went as far as breaking into a woman's home to steal her shoes, but she woke up, so Jerry choked her until she was unconscious. He raped her, stole her shoes, and then ran out. This is where Jerry escalates his crimes. On January 26, 1968, Jerry was at home with his wife and two children when a 19-year-old woman by the name of Linda Slauson was going door-to-door selling encyclopedias. When I read that, it totally reminded me of Friends, when everyone that dude's going around selling it and... Joe's home by himself. And then the whole rest of the episode he talks about all things that are only that letter. Sorry. I'm obsessed with that show. So Linda went up to the door uh, to Jerry and Darcy's home and she knocked on the front door. Unfortunately, Jerry answered the door. And somehow this fucking asshole lured her down to the basement without his family's knowledge. Like his wife and his kids had no idea that he had just lured a 19-year-old girl downstairs to the basement. Jerry picks up a wooden plank and he hits Linda over the head and then he proceeds to strangle her to death. Jerry then takes undergarments that he had stolen from other women and dressed her up in those clothes. Yikes! Yeah. He then arranged her body in seductive poses before using a hacksaw to cut off her left foot in which he would use to model like many different high-heeled shoes that he had had. How fucking crazy is that? What a psycho. Taking a little past the mannequins, huh? Yes, definitely. Definitely. He would actually keep the foot in the freezer when not using it to model like shoes and everything oh so God. he can preserve it. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, so disgusting. Later that night, i um, assuming when um, his family was all, you know, in bed, he put her body in his car and drove to Willamette River where he dumped her body over the bridge. 10 months later on November 26 1968 23 year old Jan Whitney was on Interstate 5 between Salem and Albany in Oregon when her car broke down Jerry just happened to be driving by so he stopped and offered to drive her to his house where he could call for a tow truck there was one source that I read that he like was pretending to be like an officer or something that's why maybe she trusted him a little bit more because she did accept the offer and Although, like, while she was in the car, I'm assuming Jerry had stopped at some point, and he strangled her and then proceeded to rape her. He brought her body to his garage, where he had, like, these pulleys hanging from the ceiling, and he hung her up on it. He would then dress her in different clothes and take pictures of her, as well as having sex with her lifeless body. This guy's just fucking disgusting. He cut off one of her breasts in which he made like a resin mold of it. After several days of keeping her in the garage, he tied her to a piece of railroad iron and drove back to the Wilmette River where he dumped Linda's body. Jerry threw Jan's body into the river along with Linda's rotting foot, the one that he was using to model. It started rotting, so we had to get rid of it. Just four months after Jan's murder on March 27th, 1969, Jerry dressed himself in women's clothes, and then he went to the parking lot of a department store where he came across 18-year-old Karen Sprinker. Jerry put a gun to her head and demanded she get into his car. He drove her to his house where he made her dress in the undergarments that he, had again, had stolen from other women and made her pose while he took pictures. Jerry then raped her and strangled her by using the pulley, like I said, that he had in his garage. He had sex with her lifeless body for days, and then cut off both of her breasts and again made molds of them. Jerry then tied her to a six-cylinder engine with nylon cord and drove her to Willamette River and threw her in. Like it's like not the first car part that he uses to like tie. I don't. It's so weird. I don't know why he's using all these like car parts. So they sink. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, because yeah. Not even, a month la- not even a month later, on April 21st, 1969, 24-year-old Sharon Wood was almost abducted by Jerry at gunpoint, but she made an escape from him, and we're going to play a little clip so you can hear her story, because it's wild.
2: So it was beautiful spring day. It was one of those days in April, a rare Portland day where you didn't need a coat, and I um, had dropped my children off at the sitter and then I went to work and I worked all day and when I couldn't find my keys after a day of work I asked my work-study student Alex if he could just cover for me I was gonna run down to that garage and see maybe I'd left my keys in the car so here I am not knowing for sure where I'm going because I can't remember what floor I'm supposed to be on As I'm changing my mind about, oh, I'm down here, no, I'm upstairs, no, I'm down here, no, I'm upstairs. So I'm turning, my body's turning, and suddenly I realize there's somebody behind me and they're turning every time I turn. I haven't seen this person, I just feel this presence, and then I feel a tap on my shoulder. And what I remember is um, him saying, ma'am and he said something like you too like he's lost too so i was, I was off like a shot I'm like i'm going for the daylight and then he pulled a gun and pointed the gun at me and said if you don't scream i won't shoot you i just started screaming i started backing up He came at me and then he got his arm around my neck and somehow his thumb got in my mouth and I bit down so hard. And then I didn't even know I had what you call fear paralysis. That's when your jaw locks and you just can't move. And he's much bigger than I am. I always call him an army tank, the man. He was kind of scary looking. But there we were, and I am biting, and I cannot let go. And we are going around and around and around. He grabbed my hair. I had very long hair. And he pulled me backwards. And he beat my head against the concrete until my jaw would relax, because it would not relax. That was it. He jumped up, ran off, and then I'm laying there dazed. And then he comes back uh, to retrieve his gun. And when he comes back, I think, oh no, he's gonna shoot me. I felt like I'd just been hit by a tsunami. It was over very quickly. I had no idea what had happened to me. I assumed I was dead. And um, I just was so sad. I'm never gonna see my children again. But you don't really have time to think about it. It's like throwing a match on kerosene. You know, it just, goes off and you're there and you're fighting the fire to save your life. You have no other feelings or no other thoughts but surviving. The next
0: day, April 22nd, 1969, Jerry once again attempted to abduct 15-year-old Gloria Jean Smith, but failed to do so, thankfully. (laughs) Just one day later, On April 23rd, 22-year-old Linda Sally was walking in the mall parking lot and Jerry was more determined than ever to get his next victim because these two just, you know, got away from him. Unfortunately, he was successful and abducted Linda and brought her to his garage where he raped and strangled her to death too. He kept her body in there for several days doing the same disgusting, shameful acts to her lifeless body. This is so fucking weird. I mean, the whole story is weird, but... Jerry thought her nipples were, quote-unquote, too pink. So he decided he did not want to cut off her breasts. So he had another idea. Somehow Jerry it created, like, this electrical current that would run through her body in order to, like, make her, quote-unquote, like, jump. Because I think he, I don't know why, yeah. Yeah, he just wanted to see her, like, j- like jolt back to life or something? I don't know exactly, but, but nothing happened. There was no result out of that. After that failed... He tied her body to a car transmission with nylon cord, like I was saying, another car part, (laughs) and yet again drove to the Willamette River and threw her in. Every time he committed a murder, Jerry would dress in women's clothes and high heels, and he would masturbate. Disgusting. May of 1969, a local fisherman noticed a body in the Long Tom River and contacted authorities. The body was that of Linda Sally's Two days after the discovery of her body, just 50 feet away from where she had been found, Karen Sprinker's body was found. If you remember, Jerry cut off both of her breasts, so when they found her uh, where her you know breasts were supposed to be, she, he'd actually put a bra on her and like stuffed brown paper towels in there. I have no idea what the freaking purpose of that is. Jerry started to call women that were attending Oregon State University and attempted to set up blind dates with like several of these women. One woman in particular, he called like several times and I believe she actually did go on a date. Nothing happened. And then he was going to go on another date with her, but she kind of got spooked out and it was like kind of weird. So police got wind of all this too. Why
1: is he wearing those high heels to the date?
0: (laughs) Right? Probably. He keeps
1: looking at my feet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Oh my God. Seriously. So yeah, police got wind of this and started asking women at the university about any suspicious men around or on campus. The woman that actually um, Jerry took on that blind date and that he was calling over and over again, she came forward and she was like, hey, there's this guy named Jerry Brudos. Maybe I should look into him. And other students confirmed this as well. After Jerry gave police a fake address, they began to look more into him now. Obviously, they obtained his real address and decided to go to his home and question him some more you know so upon arrival they did find some suspicious items so they went to go get a search warrant so they can get into this house after getting said uh, search warrant police made their way over to his house but uh, Jerry fled like he you know got spooked or whatever but police caught up to him they got him and they brought him in for questioning he actually made an attempt somehow to get his wife Darcy to burn like all the clothes and all the evidence at the house but she denied to do so Jerry figured it was time to confess, and that's exactly what he did. On June 28, 1969, Jerry pled guilty to three counts of first degree for the murders of Karen Sprinker, Jan Whitney, and Linda Sally. He was convicted and sentenced to three consecutive terms of life in the Oregon State Penitentiary. Jerry was never tried nor convicted for the murder of his first victim, Linda Slauson, because... Technically, he really only cut off her foot, and he took, like, so many pictures of these other women and stuff like that, but none of Linda, just his foot. So it's like they couldn't really find him guilty or find evidence that he was the one that did it, even though I think he even confessed to it. But he was only tried for those three and convicted of the three. In prison, Jerry collected piles and piles of women's, like, shoe catalogs. While in prison, psychiatrist Michael Stone believed that Jerry had a psychopathic personality because Jerry showed no remorse for what he had done there was a conversation between Jerry and detective Jim Burns in which Jim asks him quote do you feel some remorse Jerry do you feel sorry for your victims for the girls who died unquote Jerry picked up a half sheet of paper he wrote something down on it wadded up in a ball and threw it on the ground the detective was like what the fuck so he picks it up it read quote I care about those girls as much as I care about that piece of wadded up paper, unquote. Fucking piece of shit. I hate this guy. Uh, After claims of Darcy, Jerry's wife, knowing and maybe even helping with getting rid of the bodies, she was actually charged with aiding and abetting in the first-degree murder of Karen Sprinker. Darcy claimed that she was not involved whatsoever with helping her husband dispose of any bodies, and she was actually found not guilty and quickly divorced Jerry. Darcy then moved, changed her name, and obtained a court order so that way her children could no longer like, visit him or even write their father in jail. He had a, uh, Jerry had a really rough time in prison. Uh, a lot of the other inmates didn't like him. Uh, he, they would beat him up often. He was actually treated for rectal bleeding, which they believed was caused by hemorrhoids or quote-unquote other, quote-unquote other, I think we can all think of what that might be. So Jer- Jerry was up for parole in 1999, but he was denied. Jerry Brudos ended up dying with liver cancer on March 28th, 2006, making him at the time the longest incarcerated inmate at the Oregon Department of Corrections as a total of uh, 37 years. So that is the horrifying story of Jerry Brudos and all of his horrible murders. Wow. I know. A fucking, ew, he's so disgusting. I didn't realize this too. You watched Mindhunter with me, the show, remember? Mm-hmm. He, they actually portrayed him in there. Oh, really? Uh, I guess the, the actor's name was Happy Anderson. Yeah, and he portrayed, I, I did not remember that. Me neither. Yeah, but what a great fucking show, man. I wish they'd come back with that one. I loved it. And I was just wondering, you know, kind of like I was saying, not trying to be harsh before, but if he did grow up, in another household, now that you hear the whole story, I wonder if he would have lived a better life if he had parents that loved him and stuff like that instead of having to deal with shitty parents that didn't want him.
1: Yeah, like the whole like psychological breakdown of him and his mom wanting, him, wanting a girl.
0: Yeah. And then how mm-hmm. that
1: would like make him feel. Yeah. And then he tries to be a girl.
0: Mm-hmm. And just exactly. And you know,
1: he punished for it left and right.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Um, they dubbed him, like, they, you know these stupid little nicknames they have for these serial killers or whatever? They dubbed him the Lust Killer or the Shoe Fetish Slayer. I hear it so many times. People are like, why don't they, like, give these people, like, shittier names? And I totally agree with it. You know, like, fucking loser killer or something That's That's stupid. Sh- <laughs> like, they should be named with something else so that way. Because you hear these other, you know, people that end up going to, you know, Go on to kill other people, and they're like, "Oh, I was inspired by this person." Yeah. And it was just like, well, if you get them shitty names, maybe they won't be inspired by these well, people. Of course,
1: it's the like the news outlets that give them the, the crazy names, so people read on that shit. True. Right? So let's true. blame all the fucking news. That's
0: true. <laughs> Very true, but yeah, that was wild.
1: Yeah, that's weird.
0: I know. I know. Yep. Oh. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah.
1: You down to go shopping for some shoes?
0: Yeah, you want to go get some high heels shoes for me? Or for you, I don't know. No. Oh Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Until next Monday, love ya, stay safe, and be aware.